Welcome to the Faith at Work podcast. I'm Pastor Jim Melvin. The messages of Faith at Work address spiritual, religious, and scriptural issues with a practical value for your life at work or at home. I invite you to join me each week in exploring the questions which defy easy answers. What's the purpose of life? Why is there so much suffering in the world? How can I become the best version of myself? We'll often be turning to scripture, other sources of religious wisdom, and the events of everyday life to help us in our spiritual quest. I try to relate without prejudice to people of all religious traditions and those who claim no religious allegiance at all. This week, I'm going to be talking about why you might want to consider becoming an active member of a faith community. I had a rough week emotionally. A friend of mine who had been suffering from cancer for four years died. Over those four years, the activities that he loved, number one being golf, and the work to which he was devoted, were gradually robbed from him. During the final year of his life, the cancer invaded his spine and he lost the use of his legs and was confined to bed. My friend Steve was a man of faith. As family and friends gathered to process our loss and celebrate his life, Again and again, I heard people speaking with admiration and awe at the graceful and uncomplaining way that he dealt with his illness. Steve was only 67 years old, and he lived a healthy lifestyle. He had every right to be angry or resentful, but he was neither. His acceptance served as a model for the rest of us to follow in our grief. We can only hope to live out our lives like he did. On Thursday, four days after Steve died, family and friends gathered together at his church for a memorial service. We told stories. We heard God's word of hope. We had a party. It was more than a funeral luncheon. And during that party, many more stories were told. And at the end of the day, we went our own ways to continue with our lives. That's exactly what Steve wanted. But we all knew that the effects of our loss were far from over. On Sunday, a week after Steve's death, as the small congregation where my wife and I attend joined in a moving song, the tears spontaneously started running down my cheeks again. I knew the source of the emotion. I thought of Steve. I thought of his wife and kids, and the grief started welling up again. And when the song finished, my wife handed me a Kleenex, I dried my eyes, And we soldiered on through the rest of the service, surrounded by our church family. As we filed out into the parking lot, I felt drained. But I also felt a tiny bit of healing. On Sundays in the foreseeable future, I suspect that that process will repeat itself. Grieving and healing. And I pray that we will all continue to remember our friend. But that together we will all continue to heal. What I experienced this week got me to thinking about the importance of a church family to me. During that worship service, surprised by grief, I explicitly gave thanks for the people gathered together around my wife and me at church, most of whom had no idea what we were experiencing or why my cheeks were wet. And then I began to think about all the people I know who do not have a serious connection to a church home. How do they get through grief?
My job as a corporate chaplain arises from the fact that many of the associates at our company are among those without church roots, like many Americans. While I hope that in my role as chaplain that I can address people's spiritual needs outside the church, I know that I can never replace a faith community united in God's love for mutual support. That's why I'm writing this. Maybe you are among the church homeless. And maybe you, maybe you just might need a church home. Just as an aside, there are other faith communities beside churches. Muslims, Jews, Hindus, and many other faith traditions gather together for worship, prayer, and support, just as Christians do. I talk specifically about the church because that's the tradition with which I'm familiar. But I'm sure that what I'm saying applies equally to the congregations of those other faiths. The first reason that you might need a church home is that human beings are created to be in community. In the Genesis creation story, after God had created a single person, Adam, he said, it's not good that the man should be alone. And so he created a life partner for Adam. We only function fully as humans when we are part of a community or a family. We just aren't wired to be alone. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus points out how important gathering is. He said, wherever two or more are gathered in my name, I'm there in their midst. When we come together, not only do we share each other's company, there is a spiritual presence among us. In my personal experience, including that recent Sunday in church that I was just talking about, that Christ presence is powerful and healing. Going to church just made me feel better. It made me better. I've taken a personality inventory that shows that I'm a strong introvert. I need my alone time. Now that doesn't mean I can't function in a social setting. My wife, an extrovert, is much more likely to be the life of the party though. I just don't get energized in a group. Being in a crowd, no matter how fun the occasion, saps the energy out of me. I need time alone to recharge my batteries. But I've noticed that too much alone time produces in me an unhealthy sense of isolation and sometimes even depression. Even for the introvert, it's not good to be alone too much. Now, you could point out that you can find ways of being around people without joining a church. Yeah. You can do that by going out to a bar or finding a party to go to every night. You can join a knitting group or a book club. Your family can serve as a good source of community. But there's something different about a church family, something special. First, when we gather at church, we are united as followers of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The church is a community set apart where you do that. Don't get me wrong. The church is made up of sinners, and often the church fails in its call to be good and acceptable, and it's never perfect. But it is constantly being called to the path of love by Jesus Christ. 
So personally, I trust the character of the people with whom I worship who are following that call. The church is provided with a guidebook for that path, the Bible. It's difficult, if not impossible, to appreciate and receive the benefits of Scripture on your own. In most churches, Bible teachings are presented during worship services and special study groups. The lessons of Scripture are unpacked by pastors and people who devoted much time to their study. But more importantly, they're brought to life in the shared experiences of the faithful. For example, when my friend Steve died, in the church we struggled together with a passage from Paul who said, Suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us. There's a lot uh, in that passage. And I can't say we've come to a consensus of the truth of the passage. But I know that it's taken a deeper meaning for me that if I just sat down and read it alone. When I go to church regularly, I grow in my understanding and appreciation of the Bible a little bit at a time. But over the years, I've learned quite a bit. In a church community, we struggle together with important issues. A fancy way of putting it is the church is a community of moral deliberation. It's a place where well-meaning people with different points of view can come together to discuss important stuff. We struggle together with how to address racism and the unequal treatment of women. For years, churches have sought to address the needs of the LGBTQ community. We still struggle. Churches advocate for the poor and the least among us who don't have a voice. We come at these issues with mutual respect from all segments of the political spectrum. I don't know of any other place in our culture where we do that. Often congregations offer opportunities to put faith into action. For example, my church supports our local food pantry, operates an affordable daycare, and sends teams out on mission trips to serve in disaster areas. If you want your life to make a difference, find a church with an active mission program and get to work. One of the most important things about church is that it's a community which unites us in prayer. We pray together in worship. We encourage each other to practice private prayer. And we pray for each other in times of sickness or other special needs. The way we often introduce prayers in our worship service is by saying, let us pray for the church, the world, and all people according to their needs. As individuals, we may differ in our understanding of how prayer works, and I'm going to discuss that in a future podcast. But for now, let me just say that from personal experience, I know that prayer works. There are some very practical reasons for belonging to a church, namely baptisms, weddings, and funerals. The church is uniquely equipped to provide these services to guide us through these life passages. Through baptism, we honor new life coming into our families and commit to the nurture of our children as an even larger church family. Marriage celebrations performed in or by the church recognize the sacred and serious nature of two people giving their lives to each other. And when someone we love dies, 
the church provides more than a venue for a funeral. It proclaims the promise of eternal life. Then, of course, there's worship. When we gather together on Sunday mornings or whatever day of the work, week or time we choose, through the power of the Holy Spirit, Christ is present in our midst. Now, that's something I can't explain. It's something that you will have to experience for yourself. I won't argue with a deer hunter who says he experiences God in a tree stand or a fisherman experiencing God on a quiet lake in a bass boat listening to the loons. Emily Dickinson wrote the following poem about worshiping God in nature. Some keep the Sabbath going to church. I keep it staying at home, with a bobolink for a chorister and an orchard for a dome. Some keep the Sabbath in surplus. I just wear my wings, and instead of tolling the bell for church, our little sexton sings. God preaches a noted clergyman, and the sermon is never long. So instead of getting to heaven at last, I'm going all along. Yes, God is everywhere, and out in nature is a great place to worship. But even for that hunter or fisherman, I recommend sitting in a pew once in a while, too. You know, Jesus hung out with fishermen. Do you need a church home? You might. Think about it. Talk it over as a family. Do some church shopping to find a place that feels right for you. Find a style of worship and a size of congregation that you feel comfortable with. You'll know when something clicks. That's the way the Spirit works. And when you find that place, go all in and commit yourself to that community for at least a trial period. I have a sneaking suspicion that you will find that something has been missing from your life that you weren't even aware of. Just a final word for those of you who have been disillusioned or even injured by previous church experiences. That happens. As I said before, churches are made up of sinners. So I encourage you to try again. Give it another shot. The church is a community of redemption, a family that believes in second chances. You might need the church, but the church might need you even more. Thank you for joining me. I hope you'll stop back again. May God bless you in your work and your play when you're at home, when you're away, and when you're in church. You are loved, and you matter.